How y'all doing? Feeling good? Y'all look good. Y'all look awesome. You're supposed to say, so do you. From the top. You look good? Okay, now I don't believe you. No, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here. Glad uh, I am here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jonathan. Um, I was a pastor here for uh, seven years. And what I realized a couple weeks ago is I have been gone for seven years. So I've been gone as long as I was here, um, but always love coming back. was here a couple of times last year, and uh, this is always just a special place to me. Um, pastor Dustin is one of my best friends in the world. And um, can I just tell you from just another voice that uh, he loves you and he loves this place. And can you just thank God that you have a pastor who doesn't just preach, doesn't just preach from a stage, but lives out what he says he believes. And I don't know how well you know him, but he is one of the best examples of a follower of Jesus that I have in my life. And so you should be thankful for that. Um, How many of you would say you're tired? Anybody? Maybe you started the new year, you had some goals, you had some ideas, you felt rested, you were energized, you were going to attack the year, and here we are towards the end of January, and you're like, I already quit. I already blew all my goals. I blew the diet. I hadn't been to the gym in two weeks. I'm still not sleeping the way I should. I'm just worn out. I think a lot of us would probably say, I'm I'm tired. And here's the thing is I don't think for many of us or for most of us, the problem is is that we hadn't gotten enough sleep. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, problem for me. But I think most of us aren't sleep deprived. Sure, there's some of you who have a newborn or you've been working long hours and you would say, you know what, I'm tired because I haven't gotten enough sleep. But I think for the majority of us, the reason we're tired is just from the pressures of life. Have y'all noticed that life has gotten really, really complicated? Y'all noticed that people have gotten really, really complicated. None of y'all, I'm talking about other people. What what wears you out? For for some of us, I think it would be uh, the people in our lives. I think for some of us, we have a relationship that is absolutely sucking the energy out of us. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a family relationship, and you would say, you know what, I have spent way too much time and energy and agony over trying to figure this thing out, over trying to restore a relationship that I desperately want to be a part of, but they don't seem to be. Relationships will wear you out. I think for some of us, it's financial. Financial stress will wear you out, trying to figure out how you're going to make ends meet or even make ends wave. (laughs) Y'all heard that? Okay. But that'll wear you out. For some of you, it's, it's, your, it's your job. Maybe you've gotten tasked with more work and same amount of pay, and it's, it's wearing you out. For, for some of us, it's, it's anxiety. Like, you just live in this constant state of anxiety of your kids and your spouse and your family and this constant anxiety that you try to manage, or maybe it's even full-on depression, and you're just worn out all the time. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to see anybody, and then you try to continue to live life, and you're just worn out. Life will suck the energy from you. Adulting is exhausting. This morning, I um, can't promise that uh, I'm going to 
have you well rested when you leave or you're going to sleep better tonight. What I want to do this morning is I want to give us a better framework for what it means to truly find rest in who we are. Because I think a lot of us are tired from just all of the pressure that we feel on ourselves and it's wearing us down. So I just want to give us a better idea of what it really means to rest. My title this morning is You Can Have the Rest. You Can Have the Rest. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, 28 is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. If you were to ask me, what is your favorite verse of Scripture right now? Because it often changes. One of the, thing, one of the ones that I would tell you is Matthew eleven twenty eight. We're going to read that in just a moment. But just to kind of set this up with what's going on in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking to some Jewish people, Jewish people who don't believe that he is the Messiah, that he has came to offer forgiveness of sins, remission of sins. And so he's He's talking to these Jewish people who have for a long time tried to be good enough and do good enough to earn a right relationship with God. They've, they've, tried, to, they've tried to do all the do's. They've tried to not do the don'ts. And they've been really, really trying and, and struggling for a relationship with God. And so what Jesus is telling them is he's calling them to repentance. And he's basically saying, even though you struggle so hard to get it right, you still have sin in your life. And the only way to get a right relationship with God is to repent and to put your faith in me. He's telling them, listen, I'm the fulfillment of everything you've been looking for, everything that, that generation after generation has been looking for. I am the fulfillment of it. You see, these people were engaged in this struggle to know God, to obey the law, the Jewish law of the time, and, and it, was, it was cumbersome. There were over 600 laws that these Jews tried to live out in their life. And on top of that, the Jewish leaders of the time were even adding more demands to them, telling them what they had to do in order to be made right with God. They were told, you've got to do more. You've got to try harder. You've got to prove yourself. And essentially, these people Jesus is talking to have the same mentality that a lot of us have today. And that is, if I can do enough, I will be enough. Have you ever felt that? If I can, if I can do enough, like if, if, if I can, if I can do enough for my kids, if I can do enough to feel like I'm somebody, then I will be enough. And that is an exhausting place to be, to feel like you're always, always, always trying to earn your way to fulfilling that thing that's deep inside of you, that need to be known, isn't it? And we get stuck in this rut. If I can just do enough, then I will feel like I am enough. So Jesus is talking to these people, and he starts in verse 27 and says, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. No one truly knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then in verse 28, Jesus starts it out and says, come to me. Come. I want to give you just a few different phrases to write down or to type out in your phone. You can get your phone out. Nobody's going to judge you. Just don't look at Facebook. But to type in your phone, the first phrase is this, is come to him. If you want to find true rest, Jesus offers this invitation to us to come to him. When Jesus is making this statement in a Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he's not talking to his disciples here. He's casting a wide net to these Jewish people who didn't believe he was the Messiah. And he is offering this, this 
widespread invitation to come to him. He's offering these people who are burdened by the weight of religion and the weight of trying to do enough, and he's saying, come to me. How many of you live in constant guilt that you haven't done enough? You ever been there? I, I got to be honest, this is one of my struggles. As a matter of fact, if you ask anybody that knows me well, this message that I'm teaching today, they would say, I see you, I see you growing, but you're still not great at this whole rest thing. Because I have a tendency to live in, in, in guilt that I don't do enough. Have you ever been there? Like you always think about what you didn't say. You always think about what you didn't do. Forget the fact that you, that you gave all of yourself to that person and you did way and above and beyond what anybody else would have done for them. You still live in this guilt of I didn't do enough or I'm not the mom I need to be or I'm not the dad I need to be. I'm not the spouse I need to be. I'm not the grandmother I need to be. And we can get into this cycle of living in guilt. And how many of you know that to be in that place will absolutely wear you out? Because you will never do enough to satisfy the guilt inside of you. If you live in that place, you will never do enough to quiet that voice that's telling you to do more. I think some of us, like these Jews, live in this spot when it comes to our relationship with God. Some of you are riddled with guilt because you don't feel like you know enough about the Bible or you've been told you should pray more and you don't know how, or you don't feel like you've memorized enough verses, or you don't feel like you've witnessed to enough people. And so you are even stuck, when it comes to a Christianity standpoint, you are even stuck living in this guilt. And what Jesus is telling these people is he's saying, you don't have to carry that. You can, you can come to me. See, I think our culture has made a, a great mistake. I think in our culture today, we have associated success with busyness. If, if I stay busy, if my calendar's full enough, if I have enough to do, then I'm successful. Have you ever, have you ever heard people talk about hustle? Like you gotta, you gotta hustle, you gotta stay up earlier, you gotta, or you gotta get up earlier, you gotta stay up late, you gotta hustle. If you wanna be successful, you've got to hustle. We even wear being busy like a badge of honor, don't we? What do you tell somebody when they ask you how you are? Busy. I'm busy. When's the last time you asked somebody, how are you? And they said, I've been bored. I've had plenty of spare time on my hands. Never. Why? Because somewhere deep in our brains, we have associated that if I am busy and I look busy and I feel busy, then I will be successful. Jesus is telling his audience in Matthew chapter 11, and he is telling us today, he is saying, come. Come to me. Which I think brings up a good question. It's not like Jesus is sitting on the front row right here, and we can all come down here and sit beside him and take a nap and get the rest that he gives us. I mean, the audience that he's talking to here in Matthew chapter 11, they could have. They could have walked up to him, said, hey, Jesus, I need you. He was there physically. So what does it look like to come to Jesus in 2024? Like, what does that even look like? Here's what I think it looks like for us to come to Jesus today. It means we live with this awareness 
with slow enough to stop for a second and realize the fact that Jesus is present with us at all times. That he is present with you in the car ride to work. That he is present with you in the, in the bed at night when you can't go to sleep because your mind is going through all of the things you have to do the next day. He is present with you at work. He is present with you at school. He is present with you when you feel all alone. What does it mean to come to Jesus today? It means I know that I can rest because Jesus is still with me. And not that he's just with you but that he is good and he is kind and he interjects his, himself into your life and does the things that you can't do on your own. Coming to Jesus today means that I realize and I somehow walk in this awareness that, no, he's not physically present, but he is just as present as I am in this moment. In a world that says, do, Jesus offers the invitation and says, come. And then he continues and says, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Not just rest for your body, but rest for your soul that you so crave. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Do you see the exchange in those verses? He says, Come to me, give me the burden, and I'll give you the blessing. That's the second thing you can write down. Exchange burdens for blessing. We usually do this the other way around. Did you know that if you're a Jesus follower in the room today or listening to me today, did you know that you have the freedom and the peace of Jesus? It is your right as a follower of Jesus, it is in your inheritance as a follower of Jesus to walk in freedom from the things that weigh you down and wear you out. It is your right as a follower of Jesus to walk in the peace and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. But for so many of us, we exchange that blessing for the burdens the world has to offer. Somewhere along the line, we lose sight of who we truly are in Christ, of our identity in Christ, of, of the fulfillment that Christ can give us. Somewhere along the line, we, we lose sight of our, his presence in our life. And so what do we do? We begin to try to get it other ways. You've been there. You've eaten a whole bag of Fritos at 10 p.m. because you were sad, right? But that's what we do, and so that, that's the source of alcoholism. That's the source of, of drug addiction is I felt like I was missing something, and so I went to find it somewhere else. I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed, and so I went to get it somewhere else. But how many of you know that the thing that you run to will eventually be the thing you need to be delivered from? 
If your source of strength and joy and rest and peace isn't found in Jesus, you will look for it in something else, but it won't last. And eventually, you will need freedom from that. Ask anybody. Ask anybody who's gone through recovery. Ask anybody who's gone through recovery for alcoholism or drug addiction or porn addiction. They will tell you what really started down this whole road was I was after a feeling that I felt was missing from my life. It's where a lot of our sin issues come from. And so we exchange this freedom and this fulfillment that Jesus gives us as, a, as one being identified as his follower, and we exchange it for the burdens of the world. I wonder, what have you exchanged? The peace and the rest and the freedom and the fulfillment of Jesus for in your life. For some of you, it is a substance. For some of you, it's an addiction to purchases. Right? Do a little shopping therapy, as you like to call it, because it sounds good. But really, you purchase something, how long does that last? A week. Then you have to purchase something else. Then you have to purchase something else. Some of you have exchanged the freedom of Jesus for the com- making sure that you compare well to the people that you see on your Facebook page. That's why you've gone in debt on vacation. That's why you bought the clothes. What is What is stealing? The rest and the freedom that Jesus wants to give you. You know why I think a lot of us can't find the rest that we so deeply desire? I think for many of us, the biggest enemy to your rest is your fixation on resolve. Because you are always waiting for everything to finish before you're willing to rest. And so you think... When my kids get out of this season of life, the next one will be easier. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But when my kids get to this part, to to this next season, then I'll rest. Right now they need me. They need me this, this active. Or you think, once I get through these three months, these first three months of the year are always hectic at home and at work. Once I get through that, then I'll be able to rest. But what happens a month and a half in? You realize you're going to need another three months, and so you never find rest. Why? Because I don't know if y'all have noticed, but problems never stop. And if you wait for everything to fix itself before you lean into who you are in Jesus and find some peace with him, if you wait, you will die waiting on it. Some of you, when I say resolve, the enemy to your rest is your determination to control things. And so you're going to wait to trust Jesus when you make sure he's going to do what you want him to do. But in the meantime, I've got to get my arms around it, right? I've got to figure out how is this going to work out. I will rest. I will trust Jesus once I know how everything's going to work out. Did y'all know that's not the way God works? And if you wait... To rest until everything is in your control and tied up in a nice little bow like you like it, your faith will die in the process. 
We're rushing from place to place, insisting that things are going to get better, and we will rest one day when. The problem is, if we wait, we will never get there. You know, I think probably I need to tell you, because some of y'all are going to take this message, y'all are going to take these verse, and y'all are going to go home, you're going to sit in your chair, you're going to open up a bag of Doritos, you're going to quit your job and say, Dad, gummit, preacher told me to rest, I'm resting. Because I know how y'all think. Can I just tell you, don't do that with this message. Jesus is not telling us to quit our jobs and sit in our lazy boy for the rest of our lives so that we can rest. No. Did you catch that in the passage, Jesus says that there's still a yoke? Did you catch that? He says, exchange your burdens for my blessing. Take on my yoke because it is easy. You see, Jesus doesn't give us less to do. No, he makes what we do lighter because he's working alongside of us. This yoke image would have been this wooden harness that they would have attached to an animal, like usually an oxen, to a plow. The yoke would have also been used to attach two animals together. And so get this, get this beautiful picture Jesus is offering here. What he's saying is he's saying, I'm not going to take away every duty you have. I'm not going to give you nothing to do. No, when you take my yoke and you exchange the one that you've been wearing of approval and acceptance and of getting enough and of being enough and of trying enough, when you take my yoke and you throw that one off, then you will find my rest because what I have for you, you were built to carry. That's why some of us are tired because we're carrying things we were never built to carry. You are carrying the emotional stability of people that you can't control. You were never meant to control your mother-in-law. You don't have to speak for your kids. You've raised them the best you can. You, you can't control what they do now. And so what we do is we carry these things that are too weighty for our shoulders because they were never built for us in the first place. Jesus says, this yoke that I have for you, that word easy there, it's actually better translated well-fitting. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, the yoke I have for you, the things that I want you to carry, you were designed for them. And it's designed for you. So if you'll throw off all that other stuff you've gone around trying to pick up and carry, if you'll throw it off and take what I have for you, we'll do this thing together. Because my yoke is well-fitting. Y'all know what I think of? I know it's stupid. But you know what I think of when I think of well-fitting? Think of a new pair of socks. How many of y'all like a new pair of socks? Just, hey, not a lot of hands. Let me, let me change your day, okay? If you will go, when you leave here, if you will go buy some new socks, don't wash them first. That's heresy. Don't wash them first. I know it sounds a little gross, but don't wash them first. And you put those socks on, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Wait till tomorrow. It's going to be the best three hours of your day. The second you put those socks on, it's going to hug your feet. It's going to hug your toes just the way it's supposed to. It's going to be like your feet are getting a hug for the first part of your day tomorrow. But that's what I think of when I think of this, of this yoke that Jesus is talking about. 
that it's, it's, well, it's well fitted. It, it, it's, it's made for you. It's, it's designed for you. The yoke of your Savior, it's not cumbersome and burdensome. And if what you've been carrying is cumbersome and burdensome, I would ask you to reevaluate, are you supposed to be carrying that? Because he says, my yoke is, is well fitting. He says, if you'll follow me, and if you'll trust me, if you'll do it my way, I will give you rest. That's the next thing to write down. Receive his rest. Let me ask you a question. What does rest look like to you? For some of you, it looks like an afternoon of watching football in the recliner. Three o'clock today, got the rest of the day. For some of you, it looks like reading a book on the beach. For some of you, it's an afternoon of golf, right? Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a, a weekend off all by yourself. Can I get an amen, moms? Do you know what? And I'm not, I haven't figured this out yet. I don't have all of the answers here. But do you know what rest is for me when I really think about it and I lean into it? Rest for me is knowing that at the end of the day, I can quit striving for more. That at the end of the day, I have nothing to prove. That I'm accepted. That I am loved just as I am. And I would nearly bet that for some of you today, you are tired because you are tired of striving. Your entire life, you've been trying to please somebody. You've been striving for someone's approval. You've been striving to get it all accomplished. You've been saying yes all the time because if you say no, then they won't like you. And so you have been striving all of the time. What would it be like for you to know that you don't have anything to prove? One of the things I do in the mornings when I read my Bible is I have these declarations that I usually say out loud. Sometimes it's just in my head and I read them. And those can change over time depending on what God's teaching me or what he's speaking to me about. But one of those declarations lately has been this. You can write this down. You can, you can steal it. It's I have nothing to prove or I have nothing to dread, nothing to prove, and nothing to fear. What if you could get that beyond just a head knowledge and get that into your spirit that I have nothing to dread I have nothing to prove and nothing to fear that even if they don't like me even if they don't think I did a good enough job I have nothing to prove and nothing to fear. Can you imagine the freedom that would come from knowing that you are safe and secure in your Savior's arms regardless of what anybody thinks? See, Jesus doesn't say you don't have to try. No, he says, you can try with me. Let me walk you through this, but you don't have anything to prove to me. Your relationship with me is secure. You are secure in my Arms resting with Jesus doesn't mean we don't have anything to do. It just means we don't have anything to prove. And the next thing to write down is to learn to lean. I don't know if you caught it in those verses, but Jesus says, if, if you'll come to me let, me, let me teach you. You know, I love, and I think 
depending on your church background and how you were raised, maybe you don't fully understand this, and I'm sure I don't fully understand it. But one of my favorite things about Jesus, especially when I'm sharing him with other people, is to know that Jesus doesn't expect us to be cleaned up when we come to him. How many, how many of you can testify that when you came to Jesus, you were not clean and pristine, that you still had some junk in your life, you weren't cleaned up, you didn't have it all together, your language still wasn't good, you still had some bad habits, you still went to places you shouldn't have went to, and you came to him, and Jesus welcomed you to himself anyway. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior who loves us just the way we are? And so Jesus says, if you come to me, not clean up first and then come to me. No, if, if you'll come to me, then let me teach you. Let me walk with you as you're yoked to me. Let me walk with you and let me teach you through this thing called life. You know what I think Jesus wants to teach us that we don't talk about at church usually? The pace of life. Jesus was great at the pace of life. You know what you never see in the Gospels when you're reading about Jesus? Not one verse says, and Jesus couldn't do that because he didn't have time. He had to hurry off. You ever thought about it? Instead, he was, he was quite the opposite. He would be interrupted. He would be on his way somewhere and stop to do something else. Nowhere did he say, I'm sorry, I got to run. I'll come back. Nowhere. Because he understood the pace of life. And you may be thinking, well, life was simpler then. That's what I thought when I had first had the thought of him not hurrying through life. But do you remember all that Jesus had to do in three years? He was 30 before he started his public ministry. In three years, Jesus had to do everything we read, pretty much. He had to recruit some disciples. He had to get those disciples to buy into what he was doing. He had to teach them the principles of the kingdom of God. And if you know your New Testament, he had to reteach them the principles of the kingdom of God. And if you know your New Testament, he had to teach them again and again the principles of the kingdom of God. It, had, it would have worn me out. And then he had to heal, had to perform miracles, he had to, he had to teach, he had to die, and he had to raise from the dead all within Three years. Do you think, do you know what I think Jesus knew that we forget? He could live without anything to prove. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and a voice said, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. This is going to free some of y'all. Y'all, when you know that you are a child of the most high God, you can slow down a little bit. When you recognize that I am a son, I am a daughter just as I am, you will begin to realize that I can slow down. I think Jesus realized that he didn't have anything to prove. His assignment was big. He was obviously passionate about it. He was obviously purposeful with it. But he was never in a hurry. I think Jesus would tell us, pace yourself. Don't try to prove yourself. Pace yourself. Walk at my speed. Be yoked to me. Don't try to prove yourself. 
then I think the beautiful thing is that when we do this, we'll receive the rest. When we find our rest in Jesus and we're willing to come to him and we're willing to exchange the things that we've tried to take on to solve a problem that he wanted to solve in the first place, and when we come to the place where we realize, I don't have anything to prove, I think what he does is he gives us the rest of the things that we desired. And when we're sitting with Jesus, that other stuff that we try so hard to fix, suddenly it's taken care of, or maybe it just doesn't matter quite as much as it used to. When we rest in his presence, when we surrender our lives to him, you see, that's the only way this thing works, y'all. You cannot try to rest with Jesus and still do your life your own way. You cannot try to rest with Jesus and never speak to him. You cannot try to rest with Jesus and never read the Bible. You cannot rest with Jesus and never come to church. I'm not saying that you don't, you're not supposed to do any of those things. What I'm saying is no longer are they a task to be accomplished, but it's a relationship to be walked out. That's the point of this whole thing, y'all. That's the whole point of this Jesus thing. We make it so complicated. Just like these Jews, we make it so complicated. You have to say this. You have to do this. You have to talk in this holy language. You have to do this thing. No, it's all about relationship through Jesus. At the end of the day, that will be the thing. That lets us rest in the presence of our king forevermore. It's not all that other stuff. It's our relationship with Jesus. That was his plan the entire time. So that you didn't have to carry it by yourself. Because he knew, just like in Matthew 11 when he tells these Jews, listen, you're trying but you're still sinful. He knew that you would try and you would still be sinful. So he says, if you'll surrender, I'll give you what you always wanted. If you're comfortable with it, will you close your eyes just for a moment? Maybe take a deep breath in and out. See, I wonder, I wonder what maybe God would say to us directly this morning about this whole rest thing and I really did ask him, and I'm sure I messed part of it up, but if he were here today, I believe that he would tell you that you can have the rest. I think he would say, I know you're tired. I know it's not just a physical tire, but it's an emotional tire. I know you're worn out. I know you have so many demands on you, so many things you're trying to, trying to do. And I'm thankful for your work ethic. I'm thankful that you're a hard worker. I'm glad you love those kids the way you do. I'm glad you go above and beyond. I'm glad you do what you have to do to take care of what you have to take care of. You're worn out. Child, I have something for you. Come to me. I'm here.
present with you. Look at me. Look at me in, in my eyes. These eyes don't say try harder. No, they say you're my child. I love you just as you are. Sure, let's work on your issues, but let's do it together. Let's go at my pace. You can exchange all of those burdens for my blessing. You can exchange the keeping up for following and surrender to me. It'll be better for you. Believe me when I say I have something so much better than you can imagine. You have nothing to prove. You have no one to impress. You have nothing to fear. Take my yoke. Throw off the one you have. And take mine. It fits you well. I made you just for it and I made it just for you. Follow me. Grow with me. And I'll give you the rest. This morning, if you need a relationship with Jesus and you feel like one of the thoughts that keep, keeps coming to your mind is you've never had that kind of assurance and peace, maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's what he's all about. The Bible says if you admit that you're a sinner, that you've messed things up, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he was, that he's the son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross willingly, that he rose from the grave. And if you confess him as Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. You can have the peace and the freedom and the rest that he freely offers. There's nothing magical about it, but if you want to make that decision today, just pray this prayer. You can pray it silently. You can pray it in your mind. You can pray it out loud, but it's really just a confession. It's not magic words. It's just confessing to Jesus that you're welcoming him in and that you want to be yoked to him. Just say, Jesus, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I keep messing up. I keep trying on my own. But I keep failing. I believe you are who you say you are. And right now, I surrender every part of my life to you. I don't even fully know what that means yet, but I'm going to try to try my best to find out. I need what you have, but most of all, I just need you. I surrender. You're the boss of my life. God, I thank you so much for this amazing church, this amazing group of people. God, for faces that I know and, Lord, the things that I know they've walked through and hopefully that I helped them walk through. God, I thank you for how far you've brought them. God, I thank you for the unfamiliar faces and what you're doing in this place and how you're bringing people to it. And God, I pray that this place would be a, an epicenter of revival. God, that 
city, this city would be changed, these counties would be changed because of what happens in this place on a Sunday morning. God, I pray for the people who are tired today. God, that they would come to you. That they would receive everything you have. And they would take time to sit at your feet. Be reminded of who you are. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of teaching your word. God, I've messed it up this morning, I'm sure, but thank you that your Holy Spirit will continue to teach us and guide us. Lord, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, the one who always was, the one who will always be, the one seated on the throne, the one who holds the world in his hands, who uses the world as, as his footstool. Thank you that you never sleep nor slumber. We rest in you today. We know you're good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.